there's also a really big common theme about rules. Mm, yeah, that's so true. Following rules, following order. But the biggest difference is the nine follows rules so as to not disrupt, mm, yeah. whereas the one follows rules so as to not be immoral. Welcome to Not My Type. This is Malia. And Jack here. And we're so excited that you've chosen to listen to this next episode. Today we're talking about mistyping, which is a really frequent topic in the Enneagram community because people have lots of trouble figuring out which neurosis is running their life. Yeah, so a few weeks ago we actually did a Q&A where we just sent out some feelers and asked you guys to send in questions and a lot of them we realized were about mistyping. So we thought it would be really good to just have a whole episode about common mistypes. So our goal is just to kind of like throw out some of the potential similarities between different neuroses and why people might be confused about their type and hopefully clear up any questions or thoughts you might have about this topic. And if you guys have more questions, feel free to DM us on Instagram at notmytypeenneagram or also notmytypeenneagram at gmail.com if that's a better option if for you. If email is conducive yeah, for you. So I guess we should first acknowledge the fact that all of these neuroses, remember they're all essentially one giant cesspool of yeah. problems. So they are all interconnected. And so it, it's reasonable that you should see pieces of certain types in each other. Um, but there is one that does end up running our lives. So I think it's helpful to acknowledge that you can get all sorts of different personalities. And behaviors. And, and behaviors of people that are in the same neurotic trend. Um, so I think a big thing we want to talk about is introversion and extroversion because a lot of times people, you might be an introverted aggressive type or an extroverted withdrawn mm -hmm. type and that might make things harder um, to figure out your type. And like last week we mentioned instincts, they can play a big role in it as well. So I guess we should just get started. Um, with type one, I think you could find a way to arguably mistype between any two given types mm. but we simply don't have all day for that <laughs> yeah we already have like most of them on here right we, we compiled a list of just the the pairings we might want to talk about so we're going to start with type one and type three because that's a hugely common mistype mm. so the one and the three are both combined under this theme of perfectionism that's a big thing you hear from ones and threes that they both work really hard they both are very particular about how they do things they want to be leaders often um, in projects that are done in, in life in general but there's also this need to perfect the self. At least that, that's what they both think. They also are both part of the competence triad in conflict orientation. So the way they deal with problems is often with just dealing with the facts, just cutting everything else and saying, hey, mm -hmm. if we look at this rationally, everything will be figured out. Um, but I think it's important to recognize that the good presentation is different between the two types. There's a different reasoning behind presenting themselves a certain way. For the one, for example, they are seeking for this good perfectionism because of quality, whereas the three is seeking it to be seen as good quality. I think that's exactly the point, is that like the one might want to do things well, but it's not because of the attention mm. doing things well will give them. Right. It's because of the sense of, oh, I actually am a good person. They want this recognition um, of the of the quality of them, like not you're valuable for, for who you are and your essence, but more like the essence of you is is a good thing rather than a bad thing. It's basically the difference of where you're placing your criticism. Are you assuming it's coming from the external world and so you wanna perfect yourself to be in good standing with the outside? 
Or are you your own worst critic? And so you're trying to perfect yourself so that you can be approving of yourself. I think ones also do feel that concern about the, the external criticism. Ultimately, the greatest concern between the one and the three is that they both want some sense of doing things well. The one wants to do things well for the sake of doing it well. The process mm. is what matters to the one because they're obsessed with this idea of the quality of whatever they're doing or being. The three only wants quality so far as it's gonna give them attention and recognition. So I think threes might often label themselves as perfectionists, but the one is sort of more truly invested in this idea of obsessing over the quality of things because the three will cut corners whenever necessary. But right, a there's a difference in morality. I think that's true. And also I wanna address the theory of subtype because we've talked about that in previous Instincts episodes. And remember the self-pres three is the countertype. Hmm. Uh, and the self-pressed three is using that self-pressed instinct to restrain and look inward and is concerned with the, the orientation to the self. Um, and so a lot of self-pressed threes are kind of are trying to get attention by buckling down and working really hard and gathering those physical things that might make them feel more secure and therefore give them the attention they're looking for. So the self-pressed three looks very one-ish sometimes, committed to the simple hard work that will make them more than money, mm -hmm. make them better, um, give them better materials and a better life and home and such things. Uh, but the one is is super driven because they're obsessed with perfecting their essence mm. in a way that if I am doing things well, that means I must be a good person. And in reverse, a social one might look very three-ish. That's also true. You, you see this social instinct is like oriented toward the group. Um, but even then, the social one might be obsessed with reforming the group, which a three would not right. be concerned with at all. Types one and four are often easily confused as well because... Ones and fours are both in the frustration triad. If you remember that theory of object relations, they're both mm. reaching for some ideal world that exists in their minds. Uh, so they're also very concerned with disappointment and what might not be good enough for them. Um, I also think it's important to recognize that ones and fours are connected through that stress and growth pattern. There's a huge connection between the way the one stresses to four. So after they can no longer achieve this perfect ideal in their head, they move into a disappointed, vegetative, separated, mm melancholic state um, that still has that inner critic of the one, it just is suddenly giving up and, and moving away from people. Uh, whereas the four grows into one. So you might see some one-ish qualities in the four when they're growing into that space of action and mm. making their dreams a reality. There's also a connection between the first and fourth neurosis when it comes to introversion. That's something we touched on earlier, but there is kind of this inward focus. Yeah. I think the inward focus is there because a lot of ones, remember the theme for the first neurosis is restraint. Hmm. I think a lot of type ones identify as introverts, even though they are in the dependent stance, so they are taking action in the world. But a lot of their perfectionism is run through that inner critic, you know? So when the inner critic voice is so loud, that's energy directed inward. And the four is also inner focused. It's just not filtered through this critical lens of I have to change the world. Mm -hmm. You know, the four is more just concerned with the frustration of how things should be, um, but it's defaulting to inaction because the body's repressed as a withdrawn type. Right, so that's a big difference. If you're struggling between which type you are, the four always digresses inward, whereas the one is a body-centered type. Yeah, and is defaulting to action, Yeah. whereas the four is defaulting to inaction. Then there's one and five, which also get confused sometimes. That's a really important connection. I see ones and fives both love to know what's right mm. and know what's true. 
and they kind of have this infatuation with knowledge. Um, I think it's important to recognize that they're also both in the competence triad as far as conflict orientation. So they make things too factual. Mm. They become very concerned with what is true. Uh, but for ones that's more like what is morally true, what is correct in a general sense, um, what is the objectively right way to do things or exist. Whereas fives are more concerned with the facts of the world that they've observed, you know? Mm. So it might just be more like weird, strange, factual data that doesn't, it's not about proving their ego, you know? Like yeah. the one's correctness is what validates their sense of being good. Mm. Um, but for the five, the facts that they know aren't moral. It's just a rational feeling of mastery in the world that I can engage with the world because I know this much. Well, the five is separate and seeing the world and the world's facts aren't necessarily affecting them. Whereas the one's way that they're seeing the world. It's inherently integrated with it because right. they're dependent. So they're not repressing the body. So they're constantly interacting with it. A, a YouTuber that Jack and I both love, she's extremely hilarious. But part of why she's so funny is because she sits back and unaffectedly just starts naming all of these objective ridiculous facts about random entertainment you know random tv shows or movies and we were just talking about how she was such a five because they don't affect her at all yeah she's but, so detached from it but because she's so emotionally detached from maybe the heart or the feeling of the entertainment she's able to see all of these random facts and call them out that we wouldn't normally and you get that cynical flavor with the five yeah that might not be there with the one you know i think Ones often don't feel like they have the right to be cynical or skeptical or sarcastic because that's like a good boy or girl wouldn't do that. Mm. You know, a good boy or girl is collected and nice and restrained and doesn't swear and all these things. You know, not that all ones don't swear, but just the idea of goodness, like this yearning for correctness and ethical correctness is so central to the one. Whereas for the five, it's just like these are objectively true facts. Think about, I think the topic of truth is different for a type that is head dominant and a type that is body dominant. Hmm. Because the one is looking for that body-centered truth. Something that you feel instinctually is true or good or correct. Whereas for the five, they're looking for something that is rationally true or correct. Oh, this is factually true. I know this makes sense. I know this is trustworthy. Which can cause them to both look like know-it-alls. That's so true. But for the one, knowing is integral to their, to who they are and how they engage with the world. And for five, knowing is just a byproduct of living. Knowing isn't even, like, that knowing is living for the five. You see mm. what I'm saying? Like, because they're not, because they're withdrawn. Right. And they're also a double rejection type. I think that knowing for the one is about knowing the truth of what's good in the world, what mm. is overall righteous. Um, but for the five, it's, it's a sense of, I know this because I only know how to know, really. The five only exists in that headspace. Because remember, when we were talking about the rejection types, two, five, and eight, they're all severing the part of themselves that they don't want to acknowledge as wounded or betrayed. Um, so the five really ends up just being this floating head because they've cut off the body. So all they have left is this rational space mm -hmm. to observe the world. And I think that a space of knowing for the one, because it is moral, we have a lot of preconceived notions of what is morally good because of our own cultures that we exist in. Yeah. But remember, the first neurosis can shape you can see all sorts of different behaviors from it. You know, it can be shaped by anything. A great example of this first neurosis obsession with morality, we were talking about this just the other day. You see Harvey Dent from Batman, mm -hmm. and he's this villain, Two-Face, right? Isn't that who he is? Yeah. And he becomes obsessed with the chance of things, that like who he kills or who he doesn't kill is based on just a coin flip. And you see his sense of morality and the way things work is no longer 
typical. It's now just about chance because that's the way he sees the ethical world. That yeah, because he starts as this extremely moral... Principled man. That's very intent on justice. Yeah, he's fighting for the rights of the oppressed and all sorts of things. But then when he turns into a villain, he's still dependent on something. Yeah, it's just not the same morals that we thought of before. I think that goes back to that illustration that so many ones don't think they're dependent types. But you look at Harvey Dent, and he's dependent on what he thinks is morally real. Which mm. is that, at the end of the day, there is no moral real. You know. Yeah. It's all up to chance. It's all chance. And I think that's so interesting, is that the first neurosis can be shaped by any sort of cultural context. But it's this idea of being dependent on what is right. And sometimes, in the end, Harvey Dent says what is right is chance. That's the only structure that I can rely on that, at this that point. That is going to determine what is good or bad. Exactly. It's just chance. Whereas for the five, remember, like think about that withdrawn nature. They're not concerned about... like the morality of things doesn't mean all fives are immoral people because all the neuroses are in mm. them. It's just their concern with knowing is more about how does my knowledge protect me from the dangers of the world? How does it right. keep me away from anyone that might take from me? Because that's a way to engage, but not get hurt. Yeah. It's just very, it's their best attempt to engage with limitations, which is why they default to, to rarely ever engaging because they never quite feel like they've mastered or fully understood a concept or idea. Mm. The one in the six we should talk about as well. Yeah. They're both dependent types, and I think this is one of the most common mistypes I've seen. I see it a lot. Ones and sixes both tend to be anxious types, which I think goes with the dependent stance to some degree. Um, but they're also very concerned with the world. They're also frequently obsessed with like cleaning or organizing their reality, doing things the right way. Um, they, you see that perfectionism trend in the six as well, like we talked about with the three earlier. But I think a lot of sixes are perfectionistic because if I do things the best way, it'll keep me safe. Hmm. You know, and you see a one who might be really cautious like a six would be, but they're cautious because they want to do things right. So you might see they the same. They want to be good. Yeah, you might see the same set of behaviors. But the question is why? Like, is the one being super cautious because it feeds their perfectionism? Or is the six being perfectionistic because it feeds their safety? Hmm. I think that's a really important difference. Also, we should acknowledge that they're both quite detail oriented and very concerned about like the minute aspects of reality that might interrupt what's good or might interrupt what's safe. One of the biggest differences I see between the one and the six is also a confidence mm, issue. Yeah. The one is often very confident of themselves and the six is very unsure. That's so true. That's so true because the six's mind is built around this idea that I'm not capable. The one is built around this idea that I'm not good. Mm. So, so the details for the six is saying, if I'm incapable of handling something big, look, at, I can handle the details. I can handle little things in life. Right. But for the one, handling the details is necessary because they don't want to make any missteps. Right. I'm not allowed to make mistakes. That's the internal narrative for the one. Another big mistype for the one is one and eight. Um, you can mm. already see that they're both body dominant, which can create this sort of aggression in them. Anger. Yeah. There's yeah. this sense of... Justice. Injustice or justice, yeah. What are they fighting for? Um, they're also both kind of under the impression that they're right about things. Yeah. It's just for the one, remember, it's that dependent right. It's there's some external truth of what's right or what's good, mm -hmm. and I'm just following it. I'm just obeying it. Whereas for the eight, I think they know, because they have repressed the heart, they know that their sense of right and wrong is just wrangled by themselves. You know, that they've just like mm. shoved it into, like they've, they've crafted their own narrative of what's good and bad, and they know that it's not universal, but they're kind of okay with that, which mm. I think is what makes eights so scary. 
maybe not eights themselves, but the eighth neurosis is so frightening because it knows no bounds, you know? Mm. It, it isn't submitting to any higher order. A good analogy for this, when I think about it, is the one is the ultimate upstanding citizen, but the eight is the ultimate confident judge. They make the rules hmm. and are confident about that. And the one follows the rules and are very confident about that. So you see an aggression in both, but the control hmm. is very different. Yeah, that's so true. That's actually really true. The one doesn't feel like they, they make the rules. Right. They, f they feel like they just found the rules or that they... And they follow them very well. They follow them very well. But the eight knows that they're making the rules and mm -hmm. is okay with that. Oh, absolutely okay. It's happy about it. A theme I've noticed as well is that the first neurosis and the eighth neurosis are also both quite defensive in relationship. Hmm. I think a lot of that goes back to object relations again. The eight is most obviously defensive because as a rejection type, they're anticipating betrayal. So they're very aware of the ways they might need to protect themselves. Um or be cautious with other people in relationship because they can't trust them to begin with. But the one I've noticed is quite defensive because they're anticipating disappointment. The one in the nine you might see as a mistype because there's this theme of restraint for them both. Mm. And remember the introversion topic we talked about, that a lot of ones can look quite introverted and a lot of nines can look introverted as well. I think the restraint for the one is because they want to be good and just and right. But the nine is restrained often because they don't know how to assert themselves. So yeah. it's not this uptight restraint necessarily, um, but it's just because to assert themselves would to be uh, disruptive to their world. Um, and remember, I think a lot of these mistypes occur because they might be people with the same wing and core type hmm. pairing. So a one might have a nine wing and think that they're a nine or vice versa. So the most important question is, where's the root issue? Where's the root motivation? There's also a really big common theme about rules mm, yeah that's so true following rules following order but the biggest difference is the nine follows rules so as to not disrupt mm, yeah. whereas the one follows rules so as to not be immoral yeah that's so good that's so good so we made it through all the one mistypes i guess we should go on to two yeah um two and three is a good place to start i think a lot of twos and threes might be mistyped because of that same wing issue we just mentioned with the one and the nine um, there are some days I've considered, what if I'm a three, you know, yeah. <laughs> as, as a two with a three wing, uh, because they're both kind of showy. I think that's, mm. a lot of twos wouldn't claim that or think well, that they Well, exactly. Do that. They, they, would. they don't want that. That's the point. <laughs> they want to present as selfless and mm -hmm. other oriented. Um, but twos and threes both want other people to give them attention. They're also typically pretty extroverted, both of those neuroses. Um, but they are also avoiding their own flaws. Hmm. The two is just fixating on others to avoid acknowledging their own right. flaws, whereas the three is just showing the best parts of themselves and adapting. Beautifying their yeah, flaws. Yeah, beautifying. What a great way to put that. So the three is so obviously adaptive as an attachment type because they want to flow into whatever expectation others might have for them hmm. to cheer them on or say, yes, you're great, we love you. Um, but I've noticed in my own life, maybe this is because I have a three wing, but I think a lot of twos can relate to this idea of when there are individuals or groups that you're connecting with and finding that sort of relational validation through the second neurosis, you might adapt your own patterns and your own ways of existing to mirror the, the style choices or the food mm. choices, like anything it could be. It could be self-pres choices or it could also be social choices. Like I've noticed my own self mimicking behaviors of groups or people that I've learned to love without even meaning to. It's just intuitive because my ego is so dependent on some sense of connection. 
And there's also a connection between maybe a social two and a sexual three. Oh, that's so true. Because we often think about three as in gathering large groups because you want to be seen by this the masses. But that's not necessarily the three neurosis. The three neurosis says, I want to be seen. But the instinct can filter in what way you want to be seen. Yeah, and I think the social instinct clicks most naturally with the third neurosis. Yeah. And the sexual instinct clicks most naturally with the second neurosis. So when you get a social two, they might look very three-ish because they're trying to get this sense of being wanted from a group lens first, which right. can look like the three, I want everyone to approve of me and like me. Right. Um, or vice versa, you get a sexual three who wants to be cheered on and validated and applauded by individuals. So the sexual three will beautify themselves in a way that's kind of seductive, like you hear with the two a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Or the social two might be parading themselves or, or connecting with people in large groups so as to feel um, acknowledged. But there's a difference in connecting with people from a stance of giving and connecting with people from a stance of showing off. That's so true. That's so true. I think, remember, even if all these behaviors might be the same, the core lie and the core response are still so different mm. because the two is always going to be a rejection type. So the whole ego is built around this rejection of my need for support and guidance from that protective caregiver. Whereas the three is an attachment type who's desperately attached to the sense of being seen um, and never letting go of that sense of being seen. I think a helpful distinction is that even if you're a two with a three wing or a three with a two wing, ultimately the three is a heart repressed type. So their response to things decision-wise, is made through the head and the body. This is what makes sense to me. This is what my plans are. Here's where I'm going in the future. So I'm going to make this choice no matter what. Um, so threes have this sense of unemotional collectedness, that they look kind of shiny and new mm -hmm. um, because they know how to separate their own emotional realities from their presentation and their image. Whereas the two, repressing the mind, doesn't have that luxury to get rid of their emotional realities. It's like tied yeah. into the fabric of the ego. And two is because their vice is pride, and that's the flaw that they're constantly trying to hide, are mm. less likely to showcase their, their pride, even good pride in themselves. Like, as a, as a two, yeah. I often have trouble being like, oh, look at this thing. I'm very proud of it. Because the whole ego is built around looking selfless. Yes. Whereas the three I've found will be like, hey, look at this thing. I'm really proud and be really adamant about you looking at it. Yeah, with almost like this shameless sense of oh yeah, vanity because that's the, that's the vice for exactly. them. Exactly. You know? So the vices I think are very helpful in distinguishing between the two and the three. One says, "Here's my most beautiful trait. You should look at it." Right. The other says, "I want you to your... look at. <laughs> I want you to look at this, but I don't want to ask you to look at it." Yeah, exactly. That's so. That's so key. Um, I've listed two and four here as well. I don't think this is a common mistype, but it does occur sometimes because. Like we were just talking about, the three can look sort of unemotional, but the two and the four are the two heart types that are quite emotional, typically. Mm. The difference is that um, despite how expressive they both might be and they both want attention, um, the two is going to be ultimately other-focused. The idea is mm. I have to get attention um, by diverting all of my attention outward, mm. whereas the four only thinks they can get attention and validation by directing their in attention inward. Um, so they both can end up looking selfish, the two just does it indirectly. You know, the two ends yeah. up looking selfish in their attempt to look selfless. Whereas That's the four so looks selfish because they're just self-absorbed. 
there's also connection because of stress and growth. Yeah, that's big. So the two goes into four in growth. So that might look like being able to assert your own needs mm, when your yeah. neurosis is saying you can't. But a four can actually go to two in stress, which confused me for a really long time. But sometimes when you see fours who are reaching out, it seems like a good thing. But that stress pattern is saying you weren't getting what you wanted when you from, moved away from staying away. So you have to go closer to people so that you can move away. Yes, that's so true. It's just like a, a little detour. It's not right. it's not what they want to do, but that second neurosis is the detour. Yeah. It's yeah. not like four suddenly become super giving and sweet people. They're still going to be kind of self-centered. Um, the neurosis is built around an obsession with the self. The second neurosis just helps them return to that state yes. of being self-absorbed, but still being able to get attention. So moving on, another big mistype, especially one that I've even experienced, is the connection between the second neurosis and the sixth neurosis. Mm. They, of course, are both in the dependent stance, which creates this dependency on external worlds, on people. And duty. And duty-oriented. And they both move towards the people around them or the things around them. Um, and then there's also this connection between anxiousness, hmm. that twos can be often very anxious relationally, and sixes... Um, are anxious about everything. Twos and sixes both want to look reliable as well. I think the two is afraid of not looking reliable because then they won't have a chance to be necessary in other people's lives. That if I'm not consistently there for other people, they will discard me and I'll have no role or no mm. place to receive their attention in return. But for the six, they want to be reliable because if I'm not reliable, others won't be reliable for me. Others won't be there to protect me when I need help. Um, so there is this sense of obligation to other people that you see in both twos and sixes a lot of times. The two and the seven, by contrast, are connected in really different ways. I think this is such mm. an interesting mistype as well. I mistyped as a seven. And when I first met Malia, I also thought she was a seven. I think twos and sevens are both typically warm and fun and friendly or whatever. And they can be pretty extroverted and high energy. Um, but I think a big connector is the fact that they're both in the positive outlook triad. Mm. So the way they deal with problems in their life is by pretending that they're not dealing problems. with them. Yeah, it's saying, <laughs> oh, this is great. We're having a good time. Mm. And so there's this like flavor of optimism that twos expect other people to like them. They really do. They're afraid of betrayal or um, rejection. So they have to put on this front of, I'm only going to show you the best parts of myself as I serve you and love you and give mm. you all that I have. Um, and that's their way of convincing themselves that they will not be rejected and convincing others. You don't have the choice to reject me. Yeah. Whereas the seven is staying optimistic because that's the only way to deal with their fear is that as long as I stay optimistic and, and keep moving, I won't have to think about all the things that I'm not comfortable with or that make me feel sad. There's also this concern with nurture in both the two and the seven, except for the difference being the seven is concerned about their own nurture, nurturing the self, going to the next fun thing because they want it, whereas the two is often concerned about nurturing others. It's crucial to recognize this difference because sevens and twos can look so similar, so, so, so similar. But ultimately, the seven does not want anyone else to nurture them, just themselves. They just want to entertain themselves. They don't want anyone's help. Um, they don't want anyone to really be ooey-gooey, mushy with them. That is a big difference between the two and the seven because... The two does want that. The two does want that and might play a game with you to say, oh, that's not what I want. But they really do want that, whereas the, the seven is not kidding. The seven is threatened by that. Yes. 
because the the seven seeks for independence, whereas the two is very dependent. That's so true. But the the two, the two wants to present as independent as well. The mm. two wants to be just as independent as the seven is. And that's sort of their way of parading around the world is saying, I don't need any help. Everyone else needs help. I don't need any help. Mm. Everyone else needs help. But really, because they're a dependent type that's repressing the head, they won't have that same flavor of confidence that the seven will. Ultimately, they're going to need some sort of external plan for their day, which might just be someone else saying, hey, I'm in desperation. Come help me out. Mm. Um, and the two will do that but they're not making their own plans because they're not allowed to go after what they want. And that's the difference, is that as a dependent type, the two thinks, I can't go after what I want. Whereas the seven spends all day going after what they want. Yeah. Two and eight, that's a really important connection. Twos and eights are both part of the rejection triad. So they're both looking for some sort of emotional leverage or power mm. in, in relationship to other people. A big trend is that they are kind of assertive in some ways. I think a lot of twos don't think of themselves as assertive people but they really are asserting their own lifestyle in, into other people's lives by just saying, oh, I know what's best for you. I, mm. know, I know what you need. And eights actually do that in a sort of similar way, believe it or not. It's just through that protective lens. Because remember, the eight has severed yeah. that nurturing heart, whereas the two has severed that rational head. So they're both kind of interfering and taking control in relationships. It's just the, the eight is taking on this fatherly archetype, whereas the two takes on this motherly archetype. They're also connected by stress and growth patterns. Yeah, so the eight, when they're doing well or when they're healing from neurosis, mm. should look more gentle and wear their heart in their sleeve and be affectionate and emotional in their world without fear of being betrayed. Um, but the two stresses to eight. So that movement comes after a long time of giving, 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 I've given and given and given, and no one has given back, and I've had enough. And I'm mm. going to make clear gonna demand. what I'm doing, where I'm going, and I'm going to demand that you give me what I want. There's also a presentation of pride that connects the two. Yeah. Because as they are asserting what other people want. Or what whether, they think other people want. Yeah, what they think other people want, whether it's guidance or whether it's nurture, if you go back to object relations. There's a presentation of pride and... In power. that I don't have needs, is that I have separated myself from my own needs. Yeah, I don't need nurture. So let me guide you. I don't need support. So let me love you and care for you. That's such an interesting trend because for the, the two, the vice is pride. And the eight's sin of lust is just another version of pride, really. Yeah. Or one could argue the, the inverse, that the two's pride is, a, is another version of lust well, for lust, power. Lust in some ways is saying, I know the best for you and it's me. Yeah, it's, it's I'm going to take from you even if you don't want me to. Mm. And twos and eights both do that, even if they don't, even if, uh, typically twos won't want to acknowledge that, but they really, they really do do that. And that over-identification with one object is the way to tell them apart. That ultimately, yeah. the, the two is going to be a nurturer because they've so disidentified with that protection mm. center and vice versa for the eight. This next mistype might be the biggest mistype that I hear. Happens all the time. Daily. It is two and nine. So twos and nines, th this question we got like a thousand times when we posted that Q&A. Yeah. Um, people are very confused about these two neuroses and they get them so easily mixed up. And we've probably even talked about this before on mm -hmm. previous episodes, but I just want to reiterate, the differences might not be behavioral, but they will definitely be motivational and you can, you can look for them if you're trying to figure out which type you are. 
So they both might present as selfless types, and they both might be pushovers. They both might be doing what other people want from them, and people-pleasing and trying to meet other people's needs. Um, but the issue of intent is the way you tell them apart. Mm. The two is meeting others' needs because their ego's built around that. That's who they are. Because as a heart type, they're looking for some sense of identity. Whereas the nine is just looking to meet others' needs because then they won't have to disrupt anything. Mm. And others won't be upset with them. And others won't be blaming them. There's also a difference in intent. The two has selfish intent in a lot of ways, whereas the nine it's just has no intent. That's so true. The nine is like floating downstream. So if they're being selfless, it's because they don't know how to contact the self. Hmm. Whereas when the two is being selfless, it's with an agenda. Yeah. It's with a certain aim, which is to get your attention. So if you're out there and you're wondering if you were a two or a nine and you're thinking back through your life on all the times that you've helped people and loved people. And forgotten yourself, really. If, you've, if you have a tendency to forget yourself, you might be a nine. That's so true. That's so true. Whereas the two, the two is aware of what they're feeling. Yeah. It's just sort of like, I can't afford to do that because I'll be rejected. Right. So I have to instead choose to set this aside because it's an investment that I'll be grateful I made later when mm. others pay me back. You know, the nine is so unaware of the self. They, they don't go through that process. You know, they're not going through that mental thought pattern. And the two might not think they're doing that either, but you can sense this trend of manipulation from the two that you will not sense from the nine. In a way, nurture and love for the two is like putting money in a piggy bank, that they know that they can get that investment back. But for a nine, it's like donating money to an organization that will just go off and help them, but you'll never see an investment on it. And I think it's important to realize this kind of makes two sound like villains and nines sound like heroes. Hmm. The reality is the ninth neurosis is just as destructive as the second. It's just that the nines are doing all this free-form giving because they don't know how to exist, really. They don't know how to hold something, to hold something back. You know, yeah. they don't know how to keep a part of themselves from others. So the nine's selfishness is hidden in their own stubborn unwillingness to be affected by life, unwillingness to be affected by the world. So their sacrifice of their own agendas and their own plans and their own um, feelings and purposes that's not happening because they truly are so altruistic. It's happening because it's easier to exist comfortably yeah. when you're not trying to go for anything, when you're not trying to uh, make any plans and also not trying to exist, period. You can just float along and be the most comfortable individual in the world. A helpful way to differentiate these two neuroses is that the two, as a dependent type, is always moving toward others. The nine's sacrifice and the nine's selflessness is done by moving away. Being less. Yeah. The two is sacrificing to increase the self, whereas mm. the nine is sacrificing to decrease the self. And so I think an important thing is that twos are very accessible in a way, that they do want to be loved. So when you finally try to offer it to them, it's like, oh, finally, yes, I'll take it. I've been waiting. Um, but for the nine, they don't often know how to exist and engage with the world presently because they're withdrawn type. So they just kind of disappear. Mm. The two is not going to disappear, but the nine will disappear. Let's talk about threes and fours. They're both heart types, as we know, so they both want attention. Um, and they both make it about the self. Mm. Um, the difference is that the four is committed to this idea of um, 
authenticity and committed to the sense of true self. And the three has abandoned the sense of true self for the sake of adapting and, and being praised. So these two types might look very, very different, and it should seem like, of course, why would they need any sort of differentiation? But I think a big point is that they both do want to be in the spotlight. Mm. They the th exist with an elitism. That's so true. They, they want to be above others in a way. It's just the four wants to be above others by the ways that they're different. Mm. And th the three wants to be above others in the ways that they are the most quintessential yeah. person. You know, I fit in. I perfectly represent all of you people in the crowd. Mm. And so they're both obsessed with presentation and image, but it's just opposite. Their images are opposite. The three is obsessed with similarity, the ways that they are similar to the world. Um, but the four is obsessed with the ways that they are different from the world. So this wing issue might be another confusing factor, is that a four might have a three wing and be a more motivated, moving um, individual. And that third neurosis is pushing them to go, 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 but they're still withdrawing at the end of the day. Whereas the three with the four wing might want to be different and distinct and beautiful and be sort of more emotional mm. than other threes. But ultimately they are moving out into the world and gunning for whatever their goals are. Another common mistype for the three is three and six, both being a part of that middle triangle that we talked about with object relations. The attachment types. They are part of the attachment triad, which, as we've mentioned before, is all about... Adapting the self. Creating a fake self to exist in the world. And to stay attached to what you need. I think the trend here is that sixes typically mistype as threes, and mm. threes don't often mistype as sixes. Yeah. I think that is because sixes stress to three. So after the sixth neurosis no longer works and you've been going, 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 trying to prepare for everything that could occur and mm. it just doesn't work anymore, you then move to the space of being image conscious and are more competitive with others and more concerned about the image you present. Mm -hmm. And I remember like we talked about with the four moving to two, the same thing is true here. The six is moving to three just as sort of a detour to get back to the sixth neurosis is I'm just using image for a moment. I'm using nurturing attention to get back to the sense of supportive attention. Mm. But the trend here is that they're both adaptive types. The six doesn't look naturally adaptive, but they learn, a, both of these types learn a wide range of behavior because that's the way they try to cope with life and stay attached to whatever it is they've latched onto. And for the three, that's the nurturing object. And for the six, that's the protective object. And so this next mistype, similar to the two and the seven, um, is actually three and seven, is a very common mistype. Yeah, tell me why. Three and seven are both very materialistic. Um, they can be very showy, just as we talked about earlier, about sevens always constantly going after what they want. Um, threes also are willing to go after what they want. They're both in the aggressive stance, mm -hmm. which propels them forward in a way that the other types don't. Yeah, you also see with them this, some threes might take on a conflict avoidance, like sevens would. Mm. And which sounds strange as aggressive types, but you can see them contrasted with the eighth neurosis. Threes might not want conflict because it will ruin their image and people won't like them as much. Mm. And sevens don't want conflict because it makes them feel bad things. Like they might be to blame. Right. Other people might be angry with them and they're trying to avoid pain. So I've noticed that threes and sevens are both aggressive types that are moving toward their goals. But the mistype here is typically when you get a person who is in the aggressive stance but doesn't have an easy time with conflict. Mm. Another thing is that they're both typically kind of self-centered mm. storytellers. I think they both collect narratives and places they've gone and things they've done and people they've met. Yeah. 
the seven is doing that because it feels like stimulation. And the three is doing that because it feels like validation. And it feels like I matter and I, I have worth and look at all this attention I've attracted. Because they're telling the story to someone. There's purpose behind the story. Yeah, and the seven tells the story to someone because they want that person to have fun or they want to have fun. Like it, it just feels like a re-stimulation of yeah. the world. Yeah. Threes and eights might also mistype because they're the other um, typical pairing in the aggressive stance that both look very motivated, both look very confident and seeking power. The difference here is that the three is adapting, remember. The three is an attachment type built around flowing to merge with whatever expectation others have for them. Whereas the eight would scoff at the idea of merging and adapting to be something for others. Threes and eights both want power. It's just the three is gunning for power because of the attention it will give them and allowing them to stay latched onto that nurturing object. Whereas the eight is gunning for power because it helps them keep the nurturing object at bay. It helps them shove away any sense of vulnerability in relationship. Hmm. And again, how do you tell a three from a social eight? Because when you start adding instincts in there, it gets even more confusing. The social eight, because of their body type, that social instinct is going to make them very angry about injustice in a broad sense. Remember, hmm. that social instinct isn't just, oh, I want to connect with a group. No, it's being, it's filtering the focus, you know? It doesn't make the three suddenly a body type or the eight suddenly a heart type. It just is changing the lens they're looking at. So the eight is going to be very concerned with how are the innocent being betrayed by the wicked in mm. a social setting? And the three is going to be concerned with how am I getting attention? How am I staying attached to this nurturing object through mm. a social setting? So moving on to the four, let's talk about the four and the five. This is a huge mistype as well, which mm. seems kind of strange to me, but I had a lot of people asking about four and five as well. Mm. Um, fours and fives both being withdrawn, they move away from the world when they're trying to get what they want, but they're doing it differently than the nine is doing it. Because remember, the nine is that third withdrawn type, but they withdraw and merge, whereas four and five withdraw and separate. So they are detached from the rest of the world in a way that is different than the nine. They both are typically quite reserved, the most classically introverted types. doesn't mean they can't be extroverted. It just means that this is a common mistype for introverted mm. individuals. And fours can have five wings and fives can have four wings, and that might make things murky. You see some antisocial behavior, not meaning like, oh, I'm just reserved, but yeah. you might see this willingness to say or do things that might be classified as classically rude um, because the four and the five are moving away to get what they want. Mm. And so moving toward others isn't the goal. Um, so a lot of fours and fives, y you see this similarity in them in that they're not concerned about what will other people think of me, you know? The four might be concerned with how others think of them as different, but the four isn't concerned that others won't like them or that they'll be shoved away. The four is perfectly fine with being shoved away because that just makes them more unique. And the five is moving away um, to protect their intellectualism and to protect their sense of um, separation and mm. protection from danger. The four and the five also experience an existential gap. Tell us what that means. So the existential gap is that space between the four and the five. That's something a lot of people talk about in Enneagram theory. Because if you look at the logo or this like diagram created that is the Enneagram, mm. the four and the five are both at the bottom of the Enneagram. And they have this literal gap between them. There's no line connecting them. Um, but where the nine is at the top and at the center, the four and the five 
are like the very center of the bottom of the enneagram is that space between them um, so you look at them as as both withdrawn types and that existential gap is that um, deep intellectualism and concern with um, the world mm. as something that they're observing and not really engaging with so fours with five wings or fives with four wings are called those types that exist in the existential gap that are persistently separate from the world and trying to figure out who they are in that heart space but also what they think is true and safe in yeah. that head space so remember they're both types moving away from the world as withdrawn types but the reason they're doing it is completely different and it's based on the center of intelligence they're dominant in so the five moves away for the security it gives them they're safer from the world and it's dangerous when they move away into that headspace whereas the four as a heart type is moving away to get attention that's the only way that they've learned to garner other people's attention is by moving away and being separating themselves so by separating themselves from the crowd that's how the four becomes something worthy of attention hmm. whereas the five separates themselves from the crowd because that's how they stay safe and they don't really care about getting attention exactly they're just concerned about betrayal because hmm. they're a rejection type i really like analogies so an analogy i like to think about between the four and the five is two different kinds of children the first child being the five is the one that silently slinks back into their room and closes the door really quietly and just goes and burrows in their pillows. The four says, I want attention. So they're the kid that like barges out of the room so loudly and then goes into the room and like slams the door really dramatically. To and make then, it clear. To make it clear that they're upset and then they like flounce onto their bed like a Disney princess. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the attitude is different there. I mean, I think such a crucial part of understanding the object relations theory, which is, I mean, you're hearing us talk about it all the time. Clearly, it's kind of really crucial. So if you haven't caught on yet, maybe go back and listen to episode four. Mm. Um but this really different attitude between the four and the five is the way you'll tell them apart. The five, as a rejection type, has this skepticism of others and this feeling of jadedness that I don't want to be hurt, um, and so I'm cynical about, about people and about the world. Whereas the four has this flavor of frustration and irritation with the world because as a frustration type, they're reaching for an ideal. So there's this sense of yearning you're always going to get from the four. Because remember that frustration response is the idea of you failed me, I'm going to go take care of it myself. Mm. Or as the five says, you failed me and you were right to fail me, so I will also fail myself there. Interesting. I, so the five, you get this flavor of contentment with the five actually, that they're okay with their separation. And that's why they're not slamming the door for attention. They're moving yeah. away because they're perfectly comfortable. The five doesn't want to acknowledge their own sense of being betrayed or rejected by others. So their, their separation is just... A contented one it's a way of staying protected from the world whereas mm -hmm. the four as a frustration type is moving away because that's the way they try and reach for their ideal that ideal attention they could be getting mm. is only garnered by separating themselves from everyone else the next major mistype for the four is actually four and six I think the first thing to note about them is that they're both very pessimistic the most pessimistic types frankly on the Enneagram Fours and sixes are both quite expressive types mm. as part of the reactive triad or the emotional realness triad, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's the way they deal with conflict. So when things get hard, they just start um, shoving their true emotions on the table. The difference here is that the four is shoving their shame on the table. Mm. Um, the way that they feel emotionally in the heart space is what's being shoved on the table. Whereas for the six, they're shoving their fears on the table. 
so their anxieties and all their concerns yeah. about what might go wrong and the way they might not be able to handle life. That's what's shoved forward. Um, so both of these types are owning their own needs and weaknesses. The difference is that the six has no sense of their own mind or where they're going. And so that yearning that you have from the four, that dreaminess you have from the four, that clear sense of what they're going for and w wish they had, you're not going to get with the six because the six doesn't know their own mind. Hmm. The four does know their own mind. They're just moving away and not engaging. So that's it's that body repression in the four versus that mind repression in the six. The four and the seven are also a pretty frequent confusion people have mm. because of that idealism we, we've been talking about. The four and the seven, both being frustration types, are reaching for something that they think is great or wonderful or, oh, if only it were like this, it would be wonderful. And they're always thinking about it. I think I love the four and the seven combo because they are just off in their own world, kind of spacey, very dreamlike. Dreamy, yeah. yeah. That's so true. And they're also, because of that, a little bit selfish sometimes. Yeah. The four being self-absorbed and the seven being selfish in that they're prioritizing meeting their own needs. Yeah. It's just the seven is actively doing that, whereas the four is passively doing that. Which I think makes them both selfish, but the four angsty. Yeah, that's so true, is that the four, because they're moving into inaction, um, there's this sense of resentment that they're actually not getting what they want. They know what they want and they're not getting it. Whereas the seven is all optimistic and having the time of their lives because they're actually going after what they want. Mm. They're never satisfied. They have these semi-frequent rushes of dopamine where they reach that ideal and it's like, mm. ah, yes, but then it's gone a second later. And this consistent idealizing of reality creates them both to be kind of non-committal. That's so true because they don't want to be disappointed. Exactly. It's just the four is jaded and obviously mm. afraid of that. Whereas the seven is non-committal in a way that's sort of fast moving yeah and, and too happy about it it's like i'm having too much fun to commit here right whereas the four is like i'm too depressed to commit here <laughs> right and of course by that i don't mean clinical depression it's just this over identifying with the depressive state over identifying mm. with a sense of separation and lack there's also something to be said about their stances causing them to be non-committal the four withdrawing in the past and the seven going forward to get both to get what they want. Hmm, that's so true. Fours and eights are also an easy mistype. This is a strange one, but I think the sexual four often mistypes as an eight. Mm. It's not frequent that you find an eight mistyping as a four because their four is over-identifying with what they're lacking and their weaknesses, and this emotionality you'll get from the four, you won't see in the eight because that looks like vulnerability and frailty, and it's like, ew, why would yeah. I want that? Um, the lust aspect of the eight can seem very four-ish. Well, or rather, the sexual four might be asserting their own sexuality. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, the eight is already naturally intense, but the sexual four is intense, whereas the self-pres four is not very intense, you know? Right. The sexual four is taking all that pent-up shame, and, and they get this sort of boiling anger about the world. Not anger in that body-type way, but that frustration triad response of feeling failed and being aware of what you needed that might look like a very expressive type but the biggest difference again is inaction versus action yeah the eight is going to be going after what they want confidently and the four doubts themselves they might not show it at the beginning but they really do they're they're too busy being caught up in what they're lacking and what mm. they aren't and 
the ways that they're separate. So the four is very identity focused where the eight is sort of like, <laughs> that's gross. Like, right. I, I don't need your attention. Right. Another big mistype is actually four and nine, both being in the withdrawn stance. Um, there's a sense of belonging that they're both going after. And this might sound sort of strange um, because fours and nines seem so obviously different to a lot of people. Um, and I think once you understand it in a more nuanced way, you'll be able to tell them apart. But fours and nines can both seem sort of spacey or imaginative or in their own little world because as withdrawn types, they're repressing the body and not doing as much as they should. Hmm. I think that sense of belonging that they're looking for, the four wants to belong, but is afraid of it because as a frustration type, they're, they're expecting disappointment. So the four wants to reach for belonging, but as soon as it comes for them, they're terrified of it and just move away. Mm. Whereas the nine has never known anything but belonging because as an attachment type, they've been persistently adapting to everything to stay in this mm. sense of belonging and connection to the world. And so that really is the theme, is that nines and fours are moving away from the world for completely different reasons. The nine moves away to stay connected to the world, whereas the four moves away to separate themselves and get attention. Can you talk more about the nine moving away to connect? Because those seem seems, like an oxymoron. It does seem that way. The nine is moving away, not necessarily from other people. but Not moving, physically moving away. Yeah, but moving away from themselves. Okay. So they're moving away from their true assertion of self because that's the way that they can stay in everyone's good graces. That the, mm. the agendas of others and the emotions of others can rule the day. And the nine is moving away from any true self and can just sort of be there physically, but absent mentally or emotionally. Right. Another thing I wanted to mention is that I think some nines mistype as fours because when they do feel things emotionally, you know, nines might seem very disconnected from their own feelings to begin with, but when they do feel things, Emotionally, it feels very intense because mm. the nine has such a low threshold, you know, for what feels like a lot of commotion for them. So I think nines that have ever experienced a feeling, which is everyone ever, you know, that nine might think, oh, I feel things very deeply. Okay, everyone th feels things deeply when there's any sort of trauma or when there's any sort of big event or whatever it might be. Of course you feel things deeply. But I think a big thing is that the nine has such a broad range of emotional connection and empathy for the world because they're always staying latched onto every part of the world. The nine is sort of planted seeds of themselves in every aspect of the world mm. so that they can be perfectly merged with it and comfortable. So the nine can empathize in a way with almost anything in the world. Whereas the four has limited their emotional states. They've like chopped it up very finely and said, these are the spaces I can exist in emotionally. And that's why the four can look so extreme. Whereas the nine looks so moderate. And that's a way to tell them apart is the four has sort of said, I only exist in this state of extreme euphoria and delight mm. or this state of extreme anger and resentment or this state of extreme disappointment and sadness. Like there are only a few different options for the four. So they look richly emotional, but I think that's mostly just the way they've been falsely characterized. The four is not the all the feels type. The four is the very narrow field of feels type yeah. because they're so intent on being extreme and different. And the four's uniqueness is wrapped up in their identity, whereas the nine's separateness is not. Yeah, the, the nine's not even really separate. That's the point. They're moving away, but they're not separate. They're staying completely entangled with the world. Yeah. But they're just moving away from themselves. And I think there you see that quintessential confusion with the attachment types because the nine is both body dominant and repressed. Mm. So the reason they're staying connected is because they're body dominant. So they're sensing things through their physical body first but they're also repressing the body. So what that looks like is a false sense of presence 
that, oh, I might feel like I'm here or I'm engaged, but I'm not really engaged. Right. I'm just staying in this state of comfort. So this episode ended up being way longer than we thought it would be. So we're actually going to split this into two. So thanks for joining us for our first part, but definitely check in and we will have the second part coming at you soon. And in the meantime, check us out on Instagram at notmytypeenneagram. And if you want to email us any questions or concerns or anything, anything um, any comments, just email us at notmytypeenneagram at gmail.com. We'll see you later, guys. See you guys. Enneagram in real life. Snow, Snow days. days. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to get you. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> type 1. Type 1. Type take, 1 take... uses snow... Wait, let me guess. Type 1 uses snow days <laughs> to clean their room. <laughs> Most likely to declutter and reorganize a file cabinet. <laughs> Closet or pantry. <laughs> Who owns a file cabinet that is Not under an, 84? Not...